Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. We hope that you are encouraged by these messages and that God will continue to bless you. And now, today's sermon. Well, it's good to see you this morning. Good morning. My name is Dan Braswell. I'm one of the chaplains here at Schofield Community Chapel. We're so excited to have you here today. We're excited about the things that are coming up. And we're going to be starting a new sermon series uh, today. We'll be looking through the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel as we look at 10x living, courageous living as faithful strangers. 10x, just remember 10x. See that? 10, 10, got it? 10x. We're excited. You know why we say that? We say that because God's way is always best. Before we get to our main text this morning, let me just share with you very quickly where that theme came from. Daniel chapter number 1, verse 20 says this, In every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, and we'll talk about what all that means as the weeks go, it says that he found them, that is Daniel and his friends, he found them how many times better? Say it with me. Ten times. Ten times. Ten times better than the magicians. Ten times better than the enchanters. Basically ten times better than all the king's smart people. God's people were better. You know why that is? Because God has a plan for your life and for mine that is better, far and exceeding anything this world has to offer. We're going to be talking about this book for the next, oh, I don't know, nine, ten weeks or so. So I encourage you to kind of camp out in Daniel. I hope you bring a a copy of of God's Word with you, uh, digitally or or hard copy. I never thought I'd say that 20 years ago, but now we talk about hard copy versus digital. But keep your Bible with you. I encourage you to read through the book of Daniel over the next coming weeks as uh, as our team looks at it uh, together. I'm going to look today at verses 1 through 8, but also we're going to do this. We're going to look at those verses, but we're also going to sort of lay an overview of what are some of the themes in Daniel. What are some of the takeaways, what are some of the so what's that Daniel has, this, this message has for you and me today. One of the main themes that comes up all throughout this book is this. God is absolutely sovereign. I'll say that from from the outset. God is absolutely sovereign. What's going on in the book of Daniel? Well, this is a time in Israel's history where you remember King David, you remember King Solomon, you remember the kingdom of Israel, right, in the Old Testament. Well, at some point, those kingdoms had to split. You probably remember that. And then each of those kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, were taken into captivity. Around 600 B.C., Babylon, who is where most of this story pretty much essentially takes place. Some of y'all have been to that part of the world in this room, I'm sure, I have no doubt. Babylon captured Jerusalem. Babylon took over God's people in Jerusalem and in the area of Judea. And they took them over. They brought people from Israel, from Jerusalem, into Babylon. And if you remember, that's who Daniel is. That's who Daniel's friends are. They are people who are selected. We're going to read about it in just a moment. They were selected by, at this time, it was King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel, by the way, outlasted three kings of Babylon, even though he's not a Babylonian. He's an Israelite who follows God. He goes through about three different kings over his long, tenured career as he served the Lord while he was in Babylon. Daniel's there with his friends, and they're captured during this Babylonian captivity that you read about. You can read about portions of it in Jeremiah. You can read about it in Ezekiel. There's actually a place in Isaiah that actually where Isaiah prophesied that this would take place. He talks about the 
the temple uh, ornamental uh, things in the temple and God's temple being taken out of the temple and, and put in Babylon's temple where the, where the false gods are. It talks about all that. Nebuchadnezzar was part of, of all those things. And the reason we read Psalm 137 this morning, I hope you caught it, as we just got through singing this beautiful song of It Is Well, I'm here to tell you that the Israelites of the day that we're looking at, it was, if you would have asked them, it was not very well with them. Did you catch part of what was said in Psalm 137? It, it says that the rivers of Babylon, they weren't worshiping. It says they sat down and they wept. Why? When we remembered Zion, they hung their harps and, and they talked about how can we, how could we sing the songs of Zion, Zion meaning sort of same thing as Israel or Jerusalem, like how can we sing God's songs when we're in exile? Well, Daniel's going to talk about that. The first half of Daniel, chapter 1 through 6, you sort of see the storyline is what you, the popular stories that you probably thought of when you were growing up in Sunday school. Maybe some of the kind of stories we're continuing as we go through the gospel project with the children. You're going to hear Daniel in the Lions Den. In fact, one of the children this morning asked me, oh, are you doing Daniel in the Lions Den this morning? I said, nope, we've got a several weeks before we'll get there, but we will. Daniel in the Lions Den, fiery furnace, handwriting on the wall, all those stories are coming. That's Daniel 1 through 6. That's Daniel the man, Daniel the prophet as he interacts in Babylon. Daniel 7 through 12 is this prophet giving his prophecy. And we're going to unpack some of that, but the main takeaway for that second half of the book is God's in control. And guess what? God's people are going to win because God is going to win. Now, before we get into this passage, I want to say something else very clearly about Babylon. Many times we have this mentality somehow that, that we're, how do I say this, that like sort of the United States of America represents Israel and we're like God's people, so to speak. In other words, we kind of have this idea of like, like we're always doing the right things. Well, I want to tell you that scripturally, as you look through Daniel, Babylon was a real place, but it was also indicative and symbolic of a world that just doesn't really follow God. You and I, in our own way, we live in Babylon. You serve in Babylon. Let me read this to you. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it. Just stay in Daniel. We're going to get there in just a moment. But I want to point out something to you. This is very important. In Revelation chapter 16, let me read to you what the Apostle John, as he prophesies about the end times, he talks about Babylon. Of course, Babylon wasn't around in 90 AD when John wrote Revelation. It was Roman Empire, right? My point is, is he's trying to make the statement that Babylon in the Bible was a real place, but it also sort of represents the world of which you and I live in, but we do not really belong to because we really, our true home is the kingdom of God, which right now is the heart, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ in your heart and in mine. One day we're going to be with God forever in heaven, amen, right? But right now we live in Babylon. Look at what Revelation 16, or rather listen to me as I, as I share this with you. It says, on her forehead, that is this one in Revelation 17 that he, he talks about as this immoral woman as a symbol. It says, on her forehead was written the mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. If you go down to Revelation 18, it talks about Babylon. It says, fallen is Babylon the Great. She's become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. And then it says this, Alas, alas, your great city, your mighty city, Babylon, 
for in a single hour your judgment has come. And in that same chapter, I'll share with you one more passage in Revelation 18, verse 21. So Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. That's important for us to understand as we look at Daniel as he lived in Babylon. I want you to understand, you and I, we don't really live here, we just work here, so to speak. You and I, our home is really somewhere else. If you've been to different parts of the world like I have, one of the illustrations I think of is, I, was, I remember being in Taipei, Taiwan at one point. I was not in the military, I was, a, I, was a, I was a pastor and we were there on a mission trip. And this very large city of Taipei, and one of the things I noticed was people were sharing with me that in that big city you would have, in the, in the downtown, you'd have a baker, you'd have a shoemaker, you'd have a repair shop. And downstairs they would have those shops. But you know what happened upstairs? That's where they lived. They lived right above their shoes. So you'd walk into a place and if you said, oh, do you live here? They could very well say, no, I just really work down here. I live up here. I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the book of Daniel. For the rest of these several weeks, I want you to understand, you and I, yeah, we work down here. Yep, I'm an army chaplain. One day I'm not going to be an army chaplain. You're an army something. One day you're not going to be an army something. You're going to live here. You're going to live there. I'm looking at people. I'm going to blink, and you're going to be PCS somewhere else. Y'all are going to blink, and I'm going to be PCS somewhere else. But the bottom line is, no matter where we live, no matter where we serve, I want you to understand that you simply just work here in this world, this Babylon that doesn't follow God. In case you haven't figured that out, just look around. We live in a world that is not following God. But you and I simply work here, and while we are here, God is calling you and he's calling me to serve God while we're in Babylon. And I hope and I pray that we're able to do that as we look at this passage uh, together. This world will challenge us in many ways to not do that. So with all that said, let's read Daniel chapter 1, and let's read the first eight verses. Beginning in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, he came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. Remember that? And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans, that is, the Babylonians. Verse number 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were, here's the names, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But watch this, verse 8. But Daniel resolved, some translations say, purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. God's word, amen. 
Today I want to introduce the book of Daniel and talk about ways you and I can begin to think about how we serve while we're living in Babylon. In saying that, and in looking at these passages, I believe there's several things we can see of the ways that Babylon is going to challenge you. The ways that this world is going to challenge me to not follow God. Some of the roadblocks that are, that are going to be put our way. You could almost look at it this way, if you've ever heard the term a worldview. A worldview is a way by which we look at the world on the important matters of life. Who am I? Who is God? Why am I here? I hope and pray that as, as you read the scriptures and as I read the scriptures, we have a biblical worldview. We understand who we are. We understand who God is. It's the, like my glasses, I can't see very well without them. The, your worldview is the lens by which you look at the world. I believe there's some ways, however, that Babylon will challenge you and, and will we'll we'll try to get you to change your worldview. And I want you to be warned of that. So I'm going to share with you, first of all, four ways I believe we see in this book, in this passage, Babylon will challenge you. So watch this, point number one. The first way Babylon will challenge you is point number one, isolation. Point number one is isolation. Essentially, Babylon is genius. Nebuchadnezzar was a smart guy to get his task complete. He took the smartest, the brightest, and the best, and he took youth. Some commentators, as I was studying this week, it was, they're, they're talking they could have been 15 years old. You take them, you take them out of their culture, and you pretty much isolate them in the king's palace. Do you think that we live in a culture right now that in many ways is isolated? I think so. Is there anybody in here who could raise their hand and say in the past 18 months, boy, I sure have felt isolated. Can, can you say that? I can say that. Good night. I thought it was going to drive this guy who likes to get out and talk to people crazy. Isolation. We have an enemy, folks. Satan would love to keep God's people isolated. I'm so thankful that we have ways we can avoid that isolation. And as I was thinking about our congregation this morning, I was thinking about a couple ways we could do that. And they're very simple. Connect with other Christians. I'm going to guess I've got some PWOC ladies out here. Where are y'all at? Let me, make, let me hear you. Yeah, PWOC, what a blessing it is for ladies to get back together. And over this past year, I know they have. And I've heard stories about how they've connected with each other and talked with each other about things that, that, that they are struggling with. You know what happens? Now they're no longer isolated. That's one group that can be a great blessing to stop this isolation. I think of another group I just attended a couple weeks ago. It was such a great time. Where's my, y'all make some noise. Where's my navigators? There we go. That's what I'm talking about. Navigators, what a blessing. Just, I mean, just in the, in the, in the past few weeks, I heard a story about a, about a soldier who had a prayer request, brought the prayer request to the navs. The navs at a table together as men and as women were praying with each other. And guess what? God heard that prayer. That sounds like a way to fight isolation to me. I don't know about you. I was thinking about teenagers' study show, and I didn't even, I didn't take the time to quote all this stuff. We don't have time to read all that stuff, but suffice it to say, all the experts say uh, that generation of teenagers now is like the most isolated in America. Well, to finish off this awesome time we've had with Echo Youth, we've got a great big water slide back here. And I tell you what, you come, I'm going to try to slide on it myself, but I hope that you could come, and not just now, but in the future, to come and read God's Word together and be with other teenagers and, and parents. Have your teenagers plugged into that, because we've got to fight this isolation. 
My brother Todd Bowden with Cadence Ministry, who attends here uh, from time to time, he has a ministry that's going. I can't even name them all. Plug into something where you cannot be isolated, because I could tell you right now, that's what the world wants you to do, wants you to be isolated so that we're not around other Christians. But when we're together, all of a sudden God's Spirit's with us, and it lifts our spirits, and we get away from that isolation. Here's another way they'll try to do it to you. Here's another way Babylon will challenge you. Another way Satan will attack you. Number two is not only isolation, but indoctrination. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. Indoctrination. Let's go back and look at exactly what it says. Check this out. Verse number three. Oh, excuse me. Um, Yeah, so he he took the people. Excuse me, yeah, verse verse number four. Use without blemish skillful in appearance, and they had knowledge, and they had understanding. But look at the end of that verse. What was he going to do with them? To teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Now go down to verse number five. What was he going to do with them? They were to be educated for three years at what I call the University of Babylon. We got some University of Babylons out there now, I think. And be educated, listen to me, Nebuchadnezzar was a genius. He was smart. He knew that if he could isolate these young men, he knew if he could indoctrinate them into his ways, that he could help them to have his worldview and to think of things the way he thinks of them, most importantly, not the way God has for them, but the way the world has for them. But I'll allude to that ten times again, that verse I read. The Bible says that Daniel and his friends were ten times better. You know why that is? Because God blessed their obedience God bless their faithfulness. Parents, I want to urge you, I want to urge you to, 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 to own your education of your children and don't let anybody stray your kids away, whatever, whatever they're into. You control those things. Control what they see on their phones. Control what they see on TV so that you can point them in God's way. Don't let Babylon indoctrinate them. And all of us, as we live out our faith in this world, look at everything through the lens of what God has to say. When the new things come out, when the, when the ideas of the world come out, sure, learn all you can, get education. I say, I'm not anti-education, I, I got a lot of it, and I'm sure I'll get more. But always go back and say, what is thus says the Lord. Don't be indoctrinated by anything that's going to stray us away from what God says. Isolation, number two, indoctrinated. Number three, number three is the way, one of the ways that Babylon will challenge you is compromise. Compromise. I won't go into it because I don't want to steal Chaplain Harrison's thunder because he's going to share this story next week, but just here's a teaser for next week. You've seen it a little bit already in this passage, but remember what it says is they want Daniel and his friends to eat the king's meat. Daniel says he purposes in his heart that he's not going to do that. And what I want you to, what I, all I want to look at right now is that Daniel was tempted, or it was put before him to have the opportunity to compromise a strong conviction about the Lord that he had. A compromise. As I was studying for this passage, I, I like to look at different quotes and research, and one that just alarmed me to no end. Pew Research, they do a lot of stuff like this. Here's what they're saying. Listen to this. Half of self-identified Christians in America, this is like two years old, 
Half of self-identified Christians in America say casual sex is sometimes or always acceptable. The survey defined, now listen, <clears throat> casual sex as, as between consenting adults who are not in a committed romantic relationship. Here's the statistic. 57% of self-identified Christians say sex between unmarried adults in a relationship is sometimes or always acceptable. That's the latest and greatest that's out there. Let me remind all of us, do not compromise. Let me warn you, single soldier, that's what the world says, but you stick to what God has to say, and I can promise you it's ten times, maybe even a million times. I don't even know how to count it. It's so much better. God's way is better when we obey Him. Don't compromise. Don't fall for that stuff. Don't do it. Don't compromise. And number four is this. Another way Babylon will challenge you and me It's not just isolation, indoctrination, you got the compromise, but then it goes to the core, I think, and I I think this passage speaks to that. Number four is this, it's identity. Identity. This name change was a big deal. The name change was a big deal. If you don't know, my first name is Daniel, so I always love the book of Daniel. And the story behind my name is back in the 70s, when my parents were thinking about their first child, when they found that they were going to have a baby, my dad said there was a commercial that Toyota put out, and it had a little jingle, and it said, you asked for it, you got it, Toyota. And my dad wanted a son. He said, if I get a son, I'm going to name him Toyota. Well, thank the Lord that didn't happen. I'm not Toyota, I'm Daniel Braswell. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that, that my identity is kind of wrapped up in, in the name God is my judge. But watch this. We read the names earlier, and you can see them right there in the verse, towards the end, about verse 7. You see where Daniel's name means, God is my judge. And when we go through the book in the next several weeks, you're going to see him live that out. He's a man of prayer. He's a man of principle. His name means, God is my judge. Hananiah means, God is gracious. Azariah means, God is my help. What a wonderful thought. Mishael, who is like God. Implied answer being, nobody. Well, Nebuchadnezzar, he's a genius. He's smart. Satan, he's a genius. He's smart. He's going to work on that identity a little bit. He changed his name, Belteshazzar. Bel should sound familiar from some of the false gods that come up in the, New, in the Old Testament. Daniel's new name, Belteshazzar, means Baal will protect. Does that sound familiar, by the way? Oh, all gods, it's all the same. It's not all the same. Shadrach, instead of Hananiah, Shadrach is inspired of Aku. Meshach, belonging to Aku. These are all just Babylonian gods. Abednego, servant of Nego. Again, another false god. The world will change our whole identity because if we can be isolated from God's people, if we can be indoctrinated into something other than God's word and God's way, And if we can compromise, all those things make a perfect recipe to change our very identity, which is a whole lot more important than call me Toyota or call me Daniel. What I think this passage is saying is they're trying to tempt these young men to be changed to their very core. Brothers and sisters, I warn you, don't go down that road. Don't do it. Satan wants to change our identity. The world, if we're not careful... We'll identify with all kinds of things that aren't God before we know it. Me and Christian won't even, and being a Christian won't even be the same. 
Stick with our identity. If you're a Christian here, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. You belong to God. You've been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody let us forget that that's the case. Well, that's the ways Babylon will challenge us. So you may be asking, okay, well, we've been warned, so what do we do about it? I'm so glad that you asked. I think this passage has three ways that you and I can begin to think about how we're going to serve in Babylon. I'm going to give you three ways. Point number one is this. As we think about all the ways Babylon and this world can challenge us, point number one is this. Decide early, or better yet, decide now to be committed to the Lord. First thing you and I can do, you can do it right now. Decide right now you're going to be committed to the Lord. Go back to verse 8. Look at what he says. Daniel resolved, I'm reading out of, I typically read out of the English Standard Version. Mine says resolved. Some translations say purposed in his heart. The idea is that he has has drawn a line in the sand, so to speak. He has made his decision in his mind and in his heart that this is how he is going to conduct his life. He's going to serve the Lord. I can't help but think of Joshua earlier on in the the Old Testament where he says, y'all choose this day. Well, I say y'all. I don't know if Joshua said y'all, but that's how I say it. Choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we'll do what? We'll serve the Lord. Triple Longman, in his, his commentary, he argues that, that, that Daniel refrained from the king's food to do this, to show the real source of his strength. If he and his friends had ate the king's food, it would show that Babylon was the source of their strength. I can't help but think of our recent study through 1 Peter and a verse, as I was going back through it, it reminded me of this. Listen to the 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. You can make a note of that if you would like, and I'll just simply read it to you. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. First Peter saying the same thing. Decide right now to be serious about being committed to the Lord. Our nation, and in many ways the world, we've taken extreme precaution, or as the, the, the popular phrase we've said over this past 18 months, an abundance of caution to avoid the dangers of COVID-19. And I don't want anybody to be sick, and I hope and pray, and I hope you do, I hope we pray that, that, this, that this sickness can, can be gone and that people can be healed and, and, we, can be, and we can be healthy. I, I want to pray for those things. We do all kinds of things to ensure that the disease doesn't spread. Here's what I wonder, however. If you and I took sin and immorality, if you and I took this charge to decide right now to follow God as seriously as many take stopping a virus, as bad as it is, if you and I would take on the mantle like Daniel did, even, in he, even though he's isolated, even though everything's not exactly right, we read Psalm 137, everything's not happy, happy, joy, joy, and I bet there's people in this room where everything in your life is not perfect. But even in those circumstances, how much could God use you and how much could God use me if we stood right now and said, we're going to take God so seriously that I'm going to purpose in my heart right now. I'm not going to let anything stand in between the Lord, me and the Lord Jesus Christ, and serving Him. And by the way, later on, Daniel's going to get favor from God, but I want you to notice this. 
I forget who I stole this from. Y'all can tell me later. But before Daniel gained the favor, he needed to follow. Before Daniel gained the favor, he needed to follow. Brothers and sisters, decide right now. Decide today that you're going to serve the Lord. If you are that person who's serving the Lord, I I'm, I'm hope I'm your greatest cheerleader. Keep doing it. If you're here today and you say, Chaplain, I'm, I'm not that person. In fact, I can, here's ways I've sinned against God. Here's ways I've failed. i got good news. You could purpose in your heart right now that from here on out to serve the Lord. God says, whosoever will can come. Right now, today, choose that you're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and you're going to serve Him. Number two is this. Decide right now to serve Him, but number two, just simply find ways to be faithful. Just find ways to be faithful. As we read through the book of Daniel, I want to whet your appetite a little bit. You're going to see a man who not only did he serve in a godless place, but he did it for many, many years. By the time we get to the end of the book, he's an old man writing these things. And somehow he was able to live in a place that was not focused on God, not focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, yet he was faithful because as he conducted himself, he found ways to be faithful. You and I have that opportunity, I believe, every day. Some of us who are soldiers, some of us who are, who are different leaders at different echelons in this room, we have opportunities every day to be faithful. Daniel simply found ways to serve. Christians should be some of the best workers anybody could have. When you read through this book, you're going to read about a man named Daniel who, sure, he, 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 did, he, didn't, he, did, he didn't compromise at all on his prayer life. He didn't compromise at all on who he's going to serve, but he did serve where he was at. He was a blessing to the people around him. Daniel was faithful as a servant, and they gave him more responsibility as time went by. Christians should be some of the best workers. Find ways to be faithful. What are ways that you and I can be faithful? As we've been isolated for 18 months, maybe God's calling us back to figuring out some ways to serve. Maybe it's go check out this VBS table and get plugged in and be a blessing in the life of some children. Maybe it's to plug into one of the ministries here at the chapel as we're, we're growing and we, we see new faces. And I see new faces right now. God bless you for being here. Maybe there's ways you can plug in to serve in the children's ministry, ways to plug in and serve in the youth ministry, ways to plug into some of these Bible studies and some of the groups that I just kind of threw out there. I was very intentional in doing so. I want you to think about there are ways you could be faithful. As you think about your work, as you think about those people around you who, who are not Christian and who you struggle working with, can I encourage you to do this? Maybe find a way to be faithful and serve them. Maybe find a way to be like Daniel and just simply show up every day with, with a positive attitude and serve God faithfully, but find ways to serve those people in your life. And let's see how God works with that. Just simply find ways to be faithful. And then number three is this. And this is throughout the book. Number three is remember that God is in control. Remember that God is in control. I said this earlier, but in Daniel's chapter one through, Daniel chapter 1 through 6, it talks about Daniel's interactions and his life as he goes through and, and these events take place. It's the story of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7 through 12 
shows in detail things like this vision of the ancient of days. It talks about God's ultimate control. It talks about God's final victory. God is in control, folks. Even though you and I live in a world that is not following the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to remind you that even as we live here, God is still in control. And as you look through the book of Daniel, you're going to see that time and time again. As I was thinking about the idea of us living in Babylon and and the way our our culture is going, it was interesting, I ran across this story about a young man in a small Midwestern town. Listen to this. Some of y'all probably, some of y'all remember when you first started driving and you're pushing the, I know none of y'all probably never sped and got in trouble in a car, but a couple times I drove way too fast and thank the Lord I'm still here today kind of thing. Maybe some of y'all can testify to that. By the way, drive the speed limit for what it's worth. Cover all my bases here, right? Well, this, this young man was in a Midwestern town and he was with his uh, high school carpool buddy. He, his, his way of thinking was this. He said, hey, Here's the town limit sign. Those police, they can't chase us past the town limit sign. So we can just, we got to go, go 35. But once you hit the city limit, you can, run, you can run 100 miles an hour. And those guys back there, they don't, they don't have jurisdiction. They can't come get you. Well, guess what? I'm pretty sure they could still get you a speeding ticket. Their, their jurisdiction goes past that little town. But that's how he thought. But as I thought about that, I want to point out that you and I live in a world that's very much like the world Daniel lived in. Did you notice that when they changed the names of the, of the young Israelites, it was one was this God. Over here it was Baal, whoever that is. One was, I wrote them down, I can't even remember, but you get my point. All these different names of, of these different gods. We live in a world like that, don't we? Think about it. I can believe whatever I want, and I can live my life and conduct myself however I want over here. I'm going to come over here now. I'm going to live my life however I want. I'm going to worship this God, however I want. I'm going to do this faith however I want. But when I go back and I read the Bible, I see a passage like John 14, 6. Jesus said what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It is not one of these deals where the Lord Jesus Christ up in heaven, oh, no, no, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm going to live like this over here so God doesn't have jurisdiction on me. That's not how it works, is it? I say that because I want to remind you that as we read through the book of Daniel, you're going to see towards the end, especially, God is in control. It's, the Bible's not a theology of jurisdiction. Like, oh, you want to live over here outside of God? Well, you're outside of God's jurisdiction. No. The New Testament says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. And as we get ready to close, I want to show you one more passage of Scripture. And I do invite you to turn there if you have a Bible. Because this passage of Scripture talks about Daniel. And I think this will help us to see this idea that God is in control. And then we'll have have some music and we'll be done. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 33. Hebrews chapter 11, by the way, is what some refer to as the Hall of Faith. It simply lists all these people from the Old Testament who are faithful to God and who live out their faith. And Daniel gets a shout out, so to speak, right here in verse 33. It says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Look at that next one. Who shut the mouths of lions. Most of us know enough Bible to know, oh, that's talking about Daniel. 
He's giving the example of a person who lived out their faith. As I I say God's in control, you, you say, so what? Look at Hebrews 12, verse number one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that is, as we see stories like this one of Daniel, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Look at verse number two. Fixing our eye on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I share that verse because I want you to understand that as we think about the fact that God is in control and we see this story of Daniel living out his faith, I want you to know that as you live in Babylon, as you attempt to stay away from isolation and being indoctrinated and and you don't want to compromise your faith and and if you're like me, you want to shy away from those things because you want to serve the Lord, right? And I want to find ways to be faithful. I want to do all these things. I want you to understand that God was at work in this story We call the book Daniel, but really it's a book like all books in the Bible. It's really about God. I want you to understand God is in control today as well. And he's with us and with us as we serve together to find ways to be faithful as we live in Babylon. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're with us. God, we long to live out our faith in this world. God, we long to show this world your love. I pray that it would start with a conviction to serve you. And God, I pray that as we go through this book, that we too could see your ways are best, as it talks about ten times. God, may we have the courage to serve you as we simply work here in this world that you've called us in. Our ultimate home we know is with you, but until then, May we be faithful to serve you each and every day. Bless our people here today. Watch over us as we go this week, as we sing this song of praise to you, talking about you being high and lifted up. May it penetrate our souls in such a way that we know you're with us and that you're in control as we serve you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.